To all our listeners around the world, logged on to QMZRadio.com and JanoRadio.com. Of course, good morning to all my studio audience here with me, courtesy of Clubhouse. It is Monday, June 13th. Move it Monday, we do it in Soka Style. Thank you for joining me for Coffee and Toe World News on the Go every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Me Media Moments, on Instagram at Moments with Me Media. Subscribe to the YouTube channel Moments with Me Media. Like, share, comment, and click on that notification bell. And here are the headlines we have coming up for you today. In international news, 5.0 magnitude earthquake shakes eastern Turkey. Elderly man with Alzheimer's sentenced in killing of granddaughter says he does not remember. UK's plan to deport refugees to Rwanda faces last gasp challenge. Why are Gulf countries normalizing ties with Israel? In stories out of North America, 31 people with ties to white nationalist group arrested for conspiracy to riot near Pride Parade in Idaho. Senate negotiators announce a deal on guns breaking log jam. Police say two killed, four wounded in shooting at Indiana nightclub. In business and tech news, restaurants and food suppliers warn prices will continue to rise amid soaring inflation. Meta sued by family who blames Instagram for their daughter's eating disorder. Gasoline prices hit above $5 a gallon nationally for the first time, likely headed higher. As housing costs soar, median rent tops $2,000 for the first time. In sports news, U.S. judge dismisses Cristiano Ronaldo's rape lawsuit in Vegas. Floyd Mayweather is brought to terrors while being inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. Qatar 2022, Australia, Peru face off in World Cup qualifier. Bids for Indian cricket media rights touch $6 billion. Amazon pulls out. In the Caribbean corner, 
boat with U.S.-bound Haitian migrants disappeared at sea. Out of Bermuda, tourism chief quits after just over one year on the job. Out of Grenada, pop gone Jamaican politician star at NNP Youth Rally. Out of Jamaica, JLP politician dies in a car crash and hospitals cannot respond to unlimited admission needs, says Dr. Christopher Tufton. In Believe It or Not stories, former Little Caesars employee accused of shooting manager who refused to rehire her. Former Columbus bakery owner accused of using dead baby's identity to obtain $1.5 million in PPP funds. In entertainment news, RHOA Kim Zosiak Bierman finally responds to Nene Leakes' claims of her being racist. That's ridiculous, and she knows it. Melania Trump ordered Donald Trump to allegedly cut ties with quote-unquote snake daughter Ivanka before the January 6th insurrection hearing. We have these stories and more coming up right after the music break. Today it is Move It Monday and we are doing it in Soka style. Yes, we are. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you so much for being here with us. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. Um, and looking forward to a great week ahead wherever you are in the world. Just got to say thank you. We up ya, free up ya. Balenciaga for me structure. Do them cabos get lit up ya. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fiesta forever. Yeah. 
To all our listeners tuned in on QMZRadio.com and JohnNoRadio.com, and to everyone here with me on Clubhouse, where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me, and you're listening to Coffee and Toll World News on the Go every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our reviews. So let me bring you all up to speed with a little bit of what's going on. I don't know. <laughs> Let me just say that we're supposed to be having Soka Styly, right? Playlist is built and everything ready to go. But the um, server is acting up for the sound, for the music provider, right? So, yeah, I don't know if we're going to get to hear Soka music today, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed. We will hear it earlier. I did play two songs from Sizzway. Sonette, you missed that. I played two of Sizzway's songs. I I was here rocking, um, and that's off of a different server. But the main server that I use, I don't know. It's still on vac. What what is it? Weekend mode. It's summer. Everybody is just relaxing, taking it easy. But you know something. We know how to improvise. <laughs> so thank you all again for being here with me. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at me media moments on Instagram at moments with me media and subscribe to the YouTube channel moments with me media. Like, share, comment, and Click on that notification bell. And now for the details, we are starting off with international news. 5.0 magnitude earthquake shakes eastern Turkey. And this story comes to us courtesy of the Associated Press via WSVN out of Miami, Florida. A 5.0 magnitude earthquake shook Vance province in eastern Turkey late Sunday. Turkey's AFAD Emergency and Disaster Authority said the quake struck 11.5 miles deep at 9.35 p.m. This happened near the Tuzba district of Van, the province that borders Iran. Van Governor Ozan Balki told the official Anadolu news agency There were no negative reports yet, so they can knock on wood, and I'm here knocking on wood. (laughs) But that emergency teams were working to identify any possible damage. Turkey's health minister tweeted there were no reports of deaths or injuries. The 7.2, well, a 7.2 magnitude quake hit Van in 2011, 
killing more than 600 people and injuring thousands. In 2020, an earthquake centered in, in the Iranian city of Khoi with a magnitude of 5.7 killed nine people in Van. So we're hoping that um, there won't be any tragic stories and everyone is safe and any damage, let it just be in, um, to the infrastructure, which, you know, that can always be repaired or replaced. Our next story, courtesy of CNN via WSVN, an elderly man with Alzheimer's sentenced in killing of granddaughter says he does not remember. It began as a family argument and ended in tragedy. A teenage girl stabbed to death by her elderly grandfather in a case that shocked a nation. In a court in western Japan last month, Susuma Tomizawa, who is 88 years old, admitted to killing his granddaughter Tomomi, who is 16, nearly two years ago. But he said he does not remember doing it. Tomizawa has Alzheimer's, a progressive and irreversible neurological disorder that destroys neurons and shrinks regions of the brain. In court, his lawyers argued he should not be held criminally responsible because his illness causes dementia, a condition marked by multiple cognitive deficits such as memory loss. He was insane at the time due to dementia and alcohol consumption and therefore pleaded not guilty, they said. But the court disagreed. On May 31, Tomizawa was sentenced to four and a half years in prison for murder. The case shocked many in Japan, an aging nation, where the number of elderly dementia patients is rising. The trial, live streamed from court, was closely watched and drew sympathy from many who expressed pity for Tomizawa and the family's loss of Tomimi. Question though, how do we deal with something like that? Um, I don't know. That's the truth. I really don't know what to think because when one has dementia or Alzheimer's, is one aware of what they're doing? Can you hold them responsible? And depending the stage that they're at where dementia and Alzheimer's is concerned, do we take that into consideration? I don't know. Because there are a lot of people who suffer from dementia and Alzheimer's, who wander, they don't know what they're doing. There are some who express anger, bouts of anger that they're not even aware of. At times, they don't even know their own family members. Sometimes you'll hear them talking about things and you're like, what are they talking about? Only for somebody else to say, oh, they're bringing up things from their childhood. So they can't remember. I think you refer to them as that as short-term memory gone, but the long-term is, am I right? Correct me if I'm wrong. But there are a myriad of things that go along with being a dementia or Alzheimer's patient. How do we handle this? Because it can happen in anyone's family. What would we expect to happen in the court system? Unfortunate, really unfortunate situation. He, um, he confessed. But is that confession because he was told to confess or was that from 
a slight recollection. What is it? So I'm interested to learn more about this case and what will happen, what doctors have to say about this case. Yeah. UK's plan to deport refugees to Rwanda faces last gasp challenge. London's courts have begun to hear two last-minute legal challenges to block the British government's controversial policy to deport asylum seekers to Rwanda. The government is promising to push ahead with a plane load of 31 claimants on a chartered flight on Tuesday from an undisclosed airport. The authorities have not provided details of those selected for deportation, but charities say they include people fleeing Afghanistan and Syria. It defeated an attempt to halt the plan on Friday in the High Court, brought by two refugee charities and a trade union, which called it immoral, dangerous, and counterproductive. But the same groups have filed an emergency appeal for Monday alongside a separate legal challenge and have been heartened by Prince Charles reportedly dubbing the plan appalling. Alongside the Court of Appeal hearings, the High Court is separately hearing arguments from Asylum Aid, a refugee charity which launched a second legal challenge to stop the government from flying refugees to Rwanda. The charity said the government's plan to give asylum seekers seven days to obtain legal advice and to present their case to avoid deportation is flawed and unfair. This case is heard by the same judge who on Friday rejected the first request for an injunction. But this has long, we have spoken about this in here. We have read the article where there were, have been, the plans have been in place to deport folks to um, Rwanda and then process them from there. I didn't know it also. I thought it just included um, other African nations. I didn't know they were also including people from Afghanistan and Syria. But I do have a question. And you know something, I, I, I meant to do a little research. What is the purpose of the crown? What authority does the crown have in the UK? Are they able to stop certain things from happening or can they only give their opinion? I'm curious to know. What is the purpose of the monarchy? Are they above the government? Or are they parallel or are they below? What's the hierarchy in the UK? You know something? Let me jump on Google. <laughs> that never fails, right? So, what? I'm going to kill my mic while I talk. So, what is the purpose of the monarchy in England? That's what I typed in. What is the role? So, according to www.royal.uk, the role of the monarchy. Monarchy is the oldest form of government in the United Kingdom. In a monarchy, the king or queen is head of state. The British monarchy is known as a constitutional monarchy. This means that while the sovereign is head of state, the ability to make and pass legislation resides with an elected parliament. Although the sovereign no longer has a political or executive role, 
he or she continues to play an important part in the life of the nation. As head of state, the monarch undertakes constitutional and representational duties which have developed over 1,000 years of history. In addition to these state duties, the monarch has a less formal role as head of nation. The sovereign acts as a focus for national identity, unity, and pride, gives a sense of stability and continuity, officially recognizes success and excellence, and supports the ideal of voluntary service. In all these roles, the sovereign is supported by members of their immediate family. Mm, okay, so you no longer have political or executive role, but you play an important part in the life of the nation. While the sovereign is head of state, the ability to make and pass legislation resides with an elected parliament. So my question, what's the purpose of the monarchy? Because you really have no say in what goes on. Am I right or am I wrong? If I'm wrong, let me know. You're right. They're figureheads. They're just there to, to wear the crown, but they don't make decisions that impact the people anymore. So they're just collecting taxpayers' money. They're, they're not even doing that. That, that happens through the government, the elected government. They're there to uphold the standards of of the um, of the country. So they they're figureheads. That's how I've always heard it stated. <laughs> okay. They're powerless. Yeah. So. They're just there for pomp and circumstance, for sure? Yes, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. So I think there are some things that the Queen will, like, rubber stamp, but it's it's really just a performance. <sighs> they have they have all those other people in Parliament who make the decisions, who run around, but they, they still like that little, like, oh, the, the Her Majesty has approved this. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting, Sene. Interesting indeed. Because, I mean, so, you know what? Let, let me let me keep my thoughts to myself. Let me not say the wrong thing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, let, let me keep my thoughts to myself. So, why are Gulf countries normalizing ties with Israel? In the Gulf, normalization with Israel is paying off. There is a major free trade deal. Israeli tourism to the United Arab Emirates is booming. And the prospect is brewing for normalization with Saudi Arabia, the largest Arab economy. The occupation is still center stage for Palestinians. And for decades, Israel's relationship with the Arab world has best at most a cold peace. What does it mean for that to change? Interesting. The tide is changing on that side of the world. And how does the U.S. view this happening? The normalizing of ties with Israel. I don't think they're going to be too happy with that. But we'll stand by for more information where that is concerned. Let's see if we, if the server is working now. Because <laughs> it was down. Let's see if we, um, 
are able to get our music yes we are back in business coming up after the music break we have news out of north america here's some more soca as we celebrate move it monday in soca styling i really need you too i really wanna feel great now so let me have my way now no one ever gonna leave cause i'm so invested in you cause i really feel a vibe every time it's right down and nobody like this man it's kind of thing like this and it's kind of thing like yo nothing and nobody like you and every single time we touch no one ever wanna stop because i always wanna let you know that i love you so much it's nobody like you Listeners, logged on to QMZRadio.com, JanoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse, where the conversation happens. I am Moments with me, and you're listening to Coffee and Dough, World News on the Go, every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our reviews. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at MeMediaMoments, on IG, Moments with Me Media. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, Moments with Me Media. Like, share, comment, and click on that notification bell. And coming up next, we have our stories out of North America. Uh, I'm just checking the chat here. Thank you so much, um, Dre. I'm going to read your comment before we get into those stories, right? Um, Because it's super important that we have some understanding and thank you also um fabian for sending over this article so these are two things that i want us to touch on real quick before we move forward so uh let me go to the chat first um so dre said individuals with dementia lack the state of mind to be held accountable for their crimes and also if signing a contract it is legally not so that is here in the u.s right andre i want to assume that that is what takes place here which sounds reasonable to me because if someone has dementia they're not aware of what they're doing right sounds reasonable to me 
I would say. Yeah, for I I know in Jamaica too. Um, I didn't fully hear the story. I I came in in the middle of the story, so I don't know where you were talking about. Okay, in but, Japan, uh, in Japan. Oh, so yeah, yeah. so I don't know. But well, also in Jamaica. All right, oh. so let me let me bring up the speed, Dre. So um, it's an eighty-eight year old man who had he has Alzheimer's, um, and we already know it's progressive and irreversible, right? He killed his granddaughter, who was nine, who was sixteen years old at the time, by stabbing her to death. Um, but he was insane at the time due to dementia. The lawyers are arguing that he should not be held um, responsible because of the cognitive deficits, right? However, the court has sentenced him to four and a half years in prison for murder. And, wow. Yeah, and the, the, the citizens of Japan are outraged because they're an aging nation, right? And a number of their elderly are dementia patients and the numbers are rising. So my question is, how would we handle that? Well, he needs to put in an institution um, to get help, not in, in, in jail. I don't know if he would get help in jail, but um, uh, jail and prison is not somewhere where a dementia patient need to be also. So, yeah, I would be, yeah, I, I see why they're outraged. Yeah, because to me, it seems a little unreasonable, in my opinion. But hey, you know, laws are laws and they must know what their laws they go by. Um, Fabian, thank you so much for sending this article over. So Fabian sent an article titled Queen Elizabeth II is the monarch of 15 countries. What does that mean? Uh, Queen Elizabeth II is the longest serving British monarch in history, having ascended to, uh, to the throne in 1952 at age 25. She's also the queen of more than a dozen other independent countries that were once under direct British colonial rule. In 2021, Barbados became the latest country to sever its ties with the crown. Will others follow suit? Yes, they will. So where does Queen Elizabeth II reign? Queen Elizabeth is not only the monarch of the United Kingdom, but also of 14 other countries, including Canada and others across the Asia Pacific and the Caribbean. These are known as the Commonwealth realms. They are distinct from the Commonwealth of Nations, a loose grouping of 54 countries that were once part of the British Empire, but most which are not still subjects of the Queen. Together, there are some 150 million people in the Commonwealth realms, the most populous of which are the UK, Canada, Australia, Papua New Guinea, and New Zealand. These countries are all independent and sovereign states. Still, the role of the Queen is in many places a subject of controversy, since many gained their independence through uprisings against British colonial rule. So, what powers does the Queen have overseas? Commonwealth realms are constitutional monarchies, meaning the monarch's powers are largely symbolic and political decisions are made by an elected parliament and implemented by prime ministers. The queen is thus head of state, but not head of government, meaning she is not involved in day-to-day -day governing in the United States. By contrast, the president is both head of state and head of government. The queen does have some constitutional duties, the most significant being the approval of new governments, depending on the country. She may formally approve legislation, appoint certain officials, or grant state honors. In non-UK realms, 
The queen appoints a royal representative to carry out these duties. The figure is known as a governor general. In exceptional circumstances, the crown also has what are known as reserve powers or the authority to unilaterally override other branches of government. This has happened rarely since World War II, the most notable example being Australia's 1975 constitutional crisis in which the Governor-General dismissed a sitting Prime Minister. Most fundamentally, the purpose of the Queen is to serve as a nonpartisan symbol of the nation, constitutional continuity and moral authority. Official documents are often marked with the royal seal and the Queen's visage featured on local currency. Her many trips to the Commonwealth realms have helped kindle an affection and loyalty even in countries where the Republican movement is strong, such as Jamaica. The royal family has long been a source of British soft power and diplomatic influence, though that has been undermined in some realms due to accusations by Duchess of Sussex Meghan Markle of racism within the family. Hmm. Okay, so this one, um, Fabian, goes a little deeper, it seems, in that it sounds to me, and tell me if I'm wrong, but what I'm gathering from this article is that last resort if all else fails. Am I right, Fabian? Go to if all else fails. I don't know. Um, but, yeah. So, I really don't see the purpose of the monarchy. That's to be honest. For me, it's just all a show. It's showboating, and we we have enough of that going on. We don't need any more showboating, if you ask me. But um, pomp and circumstance rules, so let them be. All right, so now it's time for stories out of North America. 31 people with ties to a white nationalist group arrested for conspiracy to riot near Pride Parade in Idaho. Idaho police officers arrested 31 people on Saturday who are believed to be affiliated with the white nationalist group Patriot Front after they were seen gathering near a Pride Parade in the city of Co... And I, I don't know if I know how to pronounce this. This is a French name. Um, Coer Deline, authorities said. It is clear to us based on the gear that the individuals had with them the stuff they had in their possession, the U-Haul with them along with paperwork that was seized from them that they came to riot downtown, said the police chief Lee White during a news conference. The FBI is assisting local police in its investi investigation, according to FBI public affairs specialist Sandra E. Barker. Barker said the police are the lead law enforcement agency investigating the situation. The people who were arrested were all wearing similar clothing associated with Patriot Front, including identical insignia. And there was at least one smoke grenade in their possession. According to the Anti-Defamation League, Patriot Front is a white supremacist group whose members maintain that their ancestors conquered America and left it to them. The group split from another white supremacist group, Vanguard America, in late August 2017, per the ADL. White said the group was equipped with shields, shin guards, and other riot gear with them, along with the papers, similar to an operations plan that a military or police group would put together for an event. 
The 31 individuals were arrested for conspiracy to riot, which is a misdemeanor. Hmm. The mayor, Jim Hammond, said in a statement that hate and violence has no place. In the city, all 31 individuals were from outside the area, adding that the police department did a great job of staffing for the event to ensure that they could respond to outsiders attempting to cause trouble. Authorities released mugshots on Sunday of the arrested individuals, all of whom have since posted bond and were released from custody per the Kootenai County Sheriff's Office. They'll be due back in court at a later date. Among those arrested was Patriot Front Leader Thomas Ryan Rousseau, according to Sergeant Shane Moline of the Sheriff's Office. Rousseau has since bonded out of the county jail. For the person that gave the tip, I say thank you. And more people need to speak up and speak out when they see organized crime. Against organized crime against a group of people because you don't agree with their way of life. Organized crime against a group of people because you think this is your country and that it was conquered and left for you. Really. But why is it that it's only a misdemeanor? Why is it that conspiracy conspiracy to riot is only looked at as a misdemeanor? Because we don't know what could happen had the interception not taken place and they got there. We don't know. I think it should be more than just a misdemeanor, my opinion. You're going there with shields and shin guards and other riot gear. And then you have papers. Yeah, papers dissimilar to what police or military group would have put together for an event. So I asked the question, are some of these people members of the police force or a military group? that they were so organized and detailed. Hmm? I thought that too. I thought when you said that, I'm like, of course, because they've been trained in these, uh, they're either former military and or for, former um, former police. It happens, people. Yeah. People go in undercover all the time. I should, yeah. yeah, that's it. I agree. I totally agree. And dressed in uniform, if you might, if I might add, because if they were all wearing these blue shirts and khaki pants, they're well organized. And that's what they do. They blend in, right? They blend in. But I am very grateful that they were intercepted. And I don't think they realize their actions. It is making us, and I don't like the word minority, I agree with James because I don't know who said we were a minority, but they're making us look at everybody in the same light. Don't know who to trust. But guess what? 
they look at us all in the same light too. I remember um, back in 2021, yeah, back in 2021, I remember before Macy's, before, who remembers the store Burdines in South Florida? So it was Burdines before Macy's. Macy's. <laughs> you, you know Macy's. Okay, well, before Burdines, it was, before Macy's, it was Burdines. Macy's bought out Burdines, right? Um. And I used to be traveling back and forth a lot, right? And I would buy a lot of clothes, take them down to sell because people wanted clothes. Like every two weeks, I was back in Jamaica. Um, and I remember going through and, you know, you have the clothes piled up on your arms. And I remember one telling another one, oh, you need to watch her. <laughs> one thing I can say about my Jamaican people, gotta love them. So there was a Jamaican lady standing nearby and she heard when I turned to the people and said, why are you watching me? I don't need anybody to watch me. When I'm ready, I will take my things to the counter to check out. Oh, no, no, no. We were telling them to watch you because you, you know, I was telling her to watch the guy saying this to, to uh, me, you know, in defense of him saying what he said to the young lady oh um i'm telling her to watch you because that's a good commission for her i said i don't need anybody to watch me and she's not helping me so try again why is she to watch me i don't need supervision i said and i remember saying unlike you i'm paying for these things i'm not depending on an employee discount to be able to buy these things The Jamaican lady heard, you can tell, let me tell you, she went in on, I didn't have to say anything further. She said, I want to say, a thief, you a thief, my girl. And she went in on them. I said, I had nothing more to say. But we're stereotyped. They think the worst of us. So it's only fair that we think the worst of them. It's only fair. You walk past them and they clutch their purses. <laughs> they get scared. <laughs> they lock their cars right away. Oh, I've heard the stories and I've seen them. But we have been taught to be forgiving. We have been taught to be embracing. We have been taught to rise above. We have been taught we know better, so we do better. Isn't that what we have been taught for for decades? We're the peacekeepers, right? We're the ones who actually live by the word. Whether we want to believe it or not, we do. We turn the other cheek and we keep turning and turning and turning. Constantly turning the cheek and being slapped. You, you know what I find strange? When I look deeper into it, a lot of these people are church-going people and claim that they believe in God, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I find it very strange. Mm -hmm. Don't find it strange. Don't find it strange, Dre. People have hid behind the shield of God and c to commit atrocities. We read it just here last week, right? With the... um. 
with the pastor, priest, whatever, right? Just last week we read it. So we should not be alarmed or be surprised. That's what they do. And unfortunately, in doing that, they don't realize what they're doing to others. The true believers, those who live the right way, they don't realize what they're doing. Yeah, but they're also perfect, right? So perfect, they do nothing wrong. Holier than thou, they are judge and jury. Quick to condemn. That's what they do. Forgetting their own sins. <laughs> As I said, I'm glad they got a hold of them. And I'm glad they've released the mug shots. And I'm sure I haven't seen their picture, their faces yet. But I remember when the incident happened. Um, um, I said, why are their faces covered? They should yank the, the coverings off their faces. We need to see their faces while they're kneeling there on the ground. Why were they being protected, so to speak? while they were kneeling there in the sun, while they arrested them. But there's something else. How do they stand up in the... Isn't the inside of a U-Haul truck hot? Or do they have ACs now in the back of those U-Haul trucks? They should have melted back there. <sighs> Leave people alone. You, no one is asking you to like everybody in the world. Nobody's asking you to do that. But respect people. Respect people's freedoms. Respect people who are going about their business, not interfering with you. Why are you interfering with them? You have a problem with the pride parade and so on and so forth. You know what I say to you? Walk naked. Because the clothes you wear, designed by them. Mm -hmm. Probably the, the, the very, you're, you're supporting them and you don't even know it. Most creative people out there, if you ask me, you don't like them, but you still wear the clothes they make. So isn't that kind of hypocritical? Senate negotiators announced a deal on guns breaking logjam. Senate bargainers on, on Sunday announced the framework of a bipartisan response to last month's mass shootings. A noteworthy but limited breakthrough offering modest gun curbs and stepped up efforts to improve school safety and mental health programs. The proposal falls far short of tougher steps long sought by President Joe Biden and many Democrats. Even so, the accord was embraced by Biden and enactment would signal a significant turnabout after years of gun massacres that have yielded little but stalemate in Congress. Biden said in a statement that the framework does not do everything that I think is needed, but it reflects important steps in the right direction and would be the most significant gun safety legislation to pass Congress in decades. Given the bipartisan support, there are no excuses for delay and no reason why it should not quickly move through the Senate and the House, he said. 
The agreement would offer money to states to enact and put in place red flag laws that make it easier to temporarily take guns from people considered potentially violent, plus funds to bolster school safety and mental health programs. Some people who informally sell guns for profit would be required to obtain federal dealers' licenses, which means they would have to conduct background checks of buyers. Convicted domestic abusers who do not live with a former partner, such as estranged ex-boyfriends, would be barred from buying firearms. And it would be a crime for a person to legally purchase a weapon for someone who would not qualify for purchase. How do you feel about that, Dre? Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. Uh, I only hear the last part of it. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. That's all right. That's okay. So the heading is um, Senate negotiators announced a deal on guns. Right? So they announced the framework of a bipartisan response to last month's mass shootings a noteworthy but limited breakthrough offering modest gun curbs and stepped-up efforts to improve school safety. And oh, yeah, I read the article. Yeah, yeah, I, I read the article last night. Um, it's not enough, but it's, it's something, something I stepped I step in the right direction. As long as, um, as long as something is getting done, you know, we can um, slowly implement things after. But um, something needs to be started, so I, 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 like, I like seeing that. So you're okay with that. All right. Not sure if naturalists can speak, but I would love to um, hear his take on it. He may be at work and not able to speak. But yes, I'm not fully okay with it today, but um, at least something is, is, is getting done. Okay. Go ahead. Good morning, Nat Mark. Good morning naturalists. Go right ahead. Uh, Mike's here on vacation outside cutting grass. <laughs> oh yeah some vac some vacation huh it's really a staycation <laughs> um to me i know a lot of people are saying yay we got something done i think it's a waste of time uh once again show me why the democratic party is in a position they are in because they have the american people behind them you know all right, to me, I got to just keep on pushing them. Americans are scared right now, and not just black folks. White folks are terrified of, um, of um, gun violence. And uh, they're just going to capitulate and say, okay, here's some laws that really are not going to, you know, take care of the main issues we have. But guess what? Like Juneteenth, no police reform, but I'm going to give you something to make you feel good. And I think that's one of the reasons why Democratic Party in November they're gonna get a they're gonna they're gonna lose big, and uh, it, it, they have a lot of people just disappointed in their effort because they just don't know how to use power in in, in any way. Um, they 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 are just shameless. Uh, what what word can I use? So they are they are, they are spineless. They are not they are not visionary. Uh, their main objective, like when Obama was in president, is to capitulate. Let's make a deal, even though it's a bad deal. Let's make a deal. And I think sometimes, be like the Republican, stick to your gun. Whether it's good or bad, stick to your gun. And then I'll go from there. So, yeah, I think personally, I think it's a waste of time because I don't see what it's going to do. They didn't even raise the age to 21. <laughs> something, something that simple. 
you can't you can't buy liquor. I remember back in the days, I got arrested because I went into a liquor store and tried to buy liquor underage because I was I wasn't twenty one. But you, you can't buy liquor, but you can buy a firearm that can murder you know hundreds of people in in, in two or three minutes. I think it's a waste of time. Yeah, I learned right there. And I have to agree with you, natural. Listen, I have to agree with you, Don. Right now, it's a band-aid, right, Don? It is a band-aid, and, and I hate band-aids. But um and I, I hate band-aids. I I I don't um really approve of anything other than banning the assault rifle, but I have to be realistic. Realistically, the ban on assault rifle is just not gonna happen overnight in the United States. So these little band-aids, we have to take it. But the thing is, when people put a band-aid on a situation, the people forget about the real issue and just sit back and like, okay, them do something. I think this time around, we just have to keep on pushing and pushing and pushing. You know, if they put the age from 18 to 21, good. And they will push for something else and push little by little, chip away, we will get there. But that full thing that we really want is not going to happen in America. So sometimes we just have to be realistic too. Right. You just have to keep at it and just don't give up. The, the, the thing is sometimes when we get a little thing here and there, they give up. And then the, the, the politicians say, yeah, see, we did do something last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we just can't give up. We just have to keep on pushing. Agreed. Agreed. Morning, yeah, everyone. Good morning, James. Yeah, I, I think the, the, the whole Band-Aid thing, it's, it's political, right? Like, politicians love Band-Aids because you, you put it on now and you shut up people temporarily. And then, you know, Democrats lose the next election cycle and then Republicans rip off the Band-Aid and Democrats are able... To, to campaign again on the same band-aid and, and put it back on. So it's, it's temporary to give them something to always be camp Because every, for the past, what, 25 or 30 years, Democrats have, have been, I think one of the, the last thing, um, gun control law that um, Joe Biden signed, I think over 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. But since, since that time, when that was signed, like every election cycle, since for the past 30 or so years they campaign on the same thing the exact same thing and and they they, they do a temporary fix and then it, it it's ripped off and then they campaign on the same thing again so it's, it's just to give them something to to campaign because i guarantee you the next general election on the next eight to ten years they're campaigning on gun law just the same not doing anything band-aids that's the order of the day. Just slap a Band-Aid on it. People will forget. Right? That's the hope. That people will forget. It's human nature. We hope people forget. After seven days, you know, when it dies down and it quells down and nobody's talking about it. Until something happens again. Then it comes back to the surface. The wound is reopened. Yeah. They need to do more. They need to be more. And I agree with you, naturalist. Um, good or bad, the Republicans, they stick together and they get it done. 
whether we like it or not, they're getting it done. But I, I really don't know what's going on with the Democratic Party. They're really scared. Where is the backbone? Straighten up your spines. Yeah, the, the Democrats need a Trump-like figure in their party, a bully. You know, and we, we say we don't like bullies, but sometimes we need people who can take that approach, take the initiative, not be afraid to lead. You can't lead and be afraid. The two don't go together. You have to be willing to have the shots fired at you for the greater good. Everybody is afraid. Everybody is afraid, regardless of color, class, religion, orientation. Everybody is afraid. Everybody wants change. Out of Gary, Indiana, the Associated Press is reporting, two people were killed and four others were wounded in a shooting at an Indiana nightclub early on Sunday, the police said. Officers responding to reports of shots fired around 2 a.m. in Gary, southeast of Chicago, said they found two people who had been shot and were unresponsive. A 34-year-old man was near the entrance to Playo's nightclub, and a 26-year-old woman was found inside. Both were declared dead after being taken to a local hospital. Four other people were also wounded, including one who was in critical condition. Authorities did not release the victims' names or information about what may have led up to the shooting. They said multiple law enforcement agencies responded due to a large crowd that needed to be evacuated and the large number of victims. Here we go again, another day in the neighborhood. Another day. And those were our stories out of North America. Coming up after the music break, we do have business and tech news. Uh, here is some more soca for you. It is Move It Monday here on Coffee and Toe, and we do it in soca style. Here is Kaz with Hello. She's sweet like a mango. 
She play the thing like a banjo. Them other girl them don't know how she clap the thing like a go go lad. So what you say? What you say? What you say? All our listeners logged on to QMZRadio.com, JanNoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me, and you are locked into Coffee in Tow, world news on the go, every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. You just heard Gaz with Hello. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Me Media Moments and on Instagram at Moments with Me Media. Subscribe to the YouTube channel Moments with Me Media. Like, share, comment, and click on that notification bell. And coming up now, it is time for business and tech news. So, restaurants and food suppliers warn prices will continue to rise amid soaring inflation. As inflation continues to affect the price of goods and services across the nation, restaurants and food suppliers are warning prices will continue to steadily rise. Tyson, Campbell Soup and Kraft indicated that further price hikes are inevitable amid soaring costs for labor, ingredients, packaging and transportation. In addition, fast food chains like McDonald's, Shake Shack and Cracker Barrel have said they've also felt the strain of rising costs. The New York Post, citing a report from the Wall Street Journal, reported that Kraft is planning on rising prices on products like, that should say raising prices on products like Miracle Whip, some deli meat, Maxwell coffee, and classical pasta sauces this summer. Campbell's Soup announced in April that the company plans on raising prices for the third time this year. Tyson Foods said it increased the price of beef by about 24% over the three months ending April 2. And Sanderson Farm, one of the largest chicken producers, says its products have seen price hikes of about 34% for the quarter ending April 30. Inflation is real. And it's not going to get any better anytime soon in the restaurant business, said Shake Shack CEO Randy Garuti at an investor conference. Ian Borden, the head of McDonald's International Business, said during an investor call that the chain is looking into whether its customers can endure the rise in prices. The burger chain is planning on doing smaller, more frequent increases. These are currently multiple elements at play contributing to the rising prices. Bird flu outbreaks, soaring fuel prices, weather, Russia's invasion of Ukraine and a staffing crisis are all contributing factors. I'm still waiting for some kind of subsidy from the government because Ukraine is being subsidized. I want to know 
when are we going to be subsidized? Because quite frankly, so uh, yesterday, went for breakfast yesterday morning to one of our favorite restaurants, presented with a new menu. Well, yeah, new menu, meaning um, <laughs> reprinted and everything. So I'm like, hold on. Why do these prices look much higher? Everything went up everything we can send billions of dollars overseas but we can't help to offset the cost of fuel we can't help to offset the cost of what's going on here in our country we are feeling it there are some people who take home five hundred dollars a week after deductions Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security, um, taxes, state. For some people, some people are paying both federal and um, state taxes. Some people are only paying federal. How are people managing? Because the paycheck is not increasing. A lot of companies are not offering overtime. And if you are, they're limiting you to, say, 10 hours or 20 hours. But it gets eaten out by deductions. The spending power is being stripped. What are people to eat? How are people to get to work? Because there are some people who drive an hour to get to work because they have no choice. It's where they can get a job and they've been at that job, right? They can't quit the job because they still have to pay their rent or mortgage. They have their car payment, car insurance, um, utilities. <laughs> who is helping? There are some people who have tried to get um, aid and they're declined because they say they make too much. But And they're trying to explain to them, you're saying we're making too much, but we can't pay our bills and we're asking for help. Who is helping us? Who is helping? And we have to think. <laughs> um, so the middle class is disappearing. The middle class is now becoming the, poor, the lower class. And the lower class, I don't know where they are. Middle class is disappearing. They are now the new lower class. They are living paycheck to paycheck. They're having to dip into their savings. Savings is something you shouldn't have to touch. Savings is for a rainy day, an emergency. There are those who are dipping into their savings because they have no choice. I'm looking at my light bill, right? My most recent light bill. $315. And I'm like, whoa, 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 for what? We don't use both AC units. We only use the AC unit that um, is upstairs. And we don't use the one for downstairs because it forces air down anyway, right? So the whole, the whole place is kept cool just off of the one unit. So heater is running. The fridge is running. 
the same things are going the same amount of usage i have to be telling the, the, these children in the house turn on the light i feel like we we, we 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 owe somebody for the light bill but you know something let them keep them off <laughs> because i don't know what to do what do we do turn off our water heaters plug out our refrigerators plug out everything Consumption has not changed. The, 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 the amount of consumption has not changed, but the bill has gone up. I never used to pay over $300 for a light bill. The other day, the water bill came. <laughs> Rosola was on the phone with me. And I'm like, what the heck is this? 500 and something dollars for water bill. Everything has gone up everything when you could take two hundred dollars and go to the supermarket god bless what you walk out with now after spending two hundred dollars and for me it's with buy one get one free and remember it's six of us in this house and 200 is just to one place because you have to go to different places to shop but now by the time you drive around to all the places, gas lick you anyway. So you might as well just go to one place, shut your eye, and get what you can. Who is helping us? Who is helping us make our dollar stretch further? I'm not going to forget, and I know I've said it. I remember at the onset of the war, we were told it was read in the news on case in case everybody at the top has forgot you all told us that we would not be impacted we were told we would not be impacted so isn't anybody going to ask them what's going on why is it that we were told one thing but we're seeing something else heads of these fuel um, organization said they're going to make sure we're not impacted. Biden agreed that we would not be impacted. So what? Who, who are we going to hold responsible? And I'm upset because it's summer, and you know when the kids are home, you, you spend more on food too. Go ahead, James. Yeah, I don't know. It it might sound crazy, but it just to me it seemed deliberate. It seemed like they're deliberately trying to shrink the middle class like i don't know how like north america how the economy is set up if if if, if they benefit more from shrinking the middle class but it, it just seemed yeah it just something just feel wrong about it because yeah when the war started you know biden said they have like, like millions of barrels of oil that you know reserve that they could you know dump in the in the economy that it it, it would you know um, people wouldn't be affected with the gas price as much. Um, and it, it still, it just doesn't make sense. You know, like, Ukraine is not using any oil now because they're, they're like, under, like, siege, right? The, the oil from Russia the, the, um, that, you know, comes to, to North America is, is like, I think, 5%, they, they said. So how does the war affect, you know, what, what's happening in North America? It's not affecting what's happening in the, in the Middle East. In Dubai and Saudi Arabia, their oil prices have not been affected like, like us. You know, so, you know, Canada has oil running through pipe like, like water. 
you know, Canada send millions of, of, of barrels of oil to America. So why is North America? Why Canada? Why America? Why the Caribbean is being impacted so much? And, and to add to that, you know, it's almost like we're literally living in the, the, the worst time in maybe two or three generations. Because I, I, I can't remember in any um, time in modern history where we're going through like a war, a pandemic, almost like a double pandemic. <laughs> and then now they, they are allowed to, to increase interest rate. And, and now people are, they're saying like millions of people in North America are going to lose their houses because of like a 5% increase or whatever in interest rate. Mm -hmm. You know, why is it that they are allowed to, to increase interest rate when oil is going up? You know, we're, we're, we're like, the, the, we're in the middle of the pandemic and, and we're just like in a disaster state and they're increasing. So I, I believe that, you know, like, there's a recession looming. That's what I believe. There are millions of people that's going to lose their 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 homes, and it just it just seemed just it just seemed planned to me. You know, it's funny you say that, James, because I was watching a video over the weekend where, um, as you talk about housing, yeah. So, a lot of homes are being bought up, scooped up by hedge funds, corporations, um, investors. Yeah. And so that group somehow have control over the rent market now, right? They're setting the prices. Where are people supposed to live? The woman said, and it's so funny, she said this. People who live in homes valued anywhere between 500000 to a million dollars cannot afford to sell their homes. Because if they sell their homes, they cannot afford to buy a new home. I'm like, huh? But she's right. Because the new home that you're looking to buy is probably valued at $2 million and you're not going to qualify for the mortgage. Yeah, moments. I, I know why, why it's, it's, so, it's so... It just seems fishy to me. Like, it's, it's common sense. Like, you know, I, I know people are, like, brilliant. They're scientists. They're engineers. They're, like, scholars out there. But to me, it's common sense. Like... Mm -hmm. If we're living in a world that is hurting, it, does, it doesn't make any sense that the, the, the people in the middle and the people in the bottom are hurt and the people at the top, wealth increase. So like if, if we're really going through such a difficult time, everybody, like I would be comfortable, like I would eat bread and butter every day if, if, if I, and I'd be happy with that, if I look on like, um, say like Amazon and, and they're saying, my gosh, like Amazon is losing like a billion dollars a day because of what we're going through. If I'm looking at, you know, Google, all the, those big companies, Elon Musk, like all those people, but their network is tripling mm -hmm. while the middle class is shrinking. And it just it just doesn't make sense. Like if we're if if we're hurting, everybody should be hurt. 
and that's fair. You know, like people would not be like complaining as much if like everybody like it makes no sense that you you were making minimum wage or suffering, and then you hear that the CEO of the company got like a fifty billion dollar um, package for for twenty twenty two. Just doesn't make sense, and that's why it it seems fishy. It it just something feel wrong about it. I agree with you, James. Go ahead, Dre. I mean, it always been like that, though, you know. The burden always come on the middle class, um, especially here in the United States, because the way they think, you know, they, they believe in the trickle-down economics, right? So the wealthy don't really pay taxes, and they have all the loopholes to escape the taxes because they feel like the wealthy is who offering the jobs, right? The dirt poor, I mean they can pretty much live for free because they qualify for everything, right? And then the burden leaves on the middle class. It lay on the middle class because the middle class and the working class go to work every day, pay the taxes, and support everything. So it always it always been like that. Um, I never knew that until I had my daughter 10 years ago when... You know, you're having a child. People say, you can't get this, you can't get that, you can't do this. I said, why not call and, 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 and find out when I call? I was like, oh, no, you make too much money. And I'm like, what do you mean make too much money? Well, you and your, your wife at the time and thing, they say, oh, with the two ink. I was like, that's what you call a lot of money? <laughs> <When I calculate. laughs> so, so in my head, I was like, oh, so what you're telling me is, if I don't work, I'd be a bomb, a bomb. You guys would give me everything. So now I realize back in the days when I used to hear stories of why some people don't come off welfare, why some people don't do anything, why they only probably get a part-time job. And I was like, oh my gosh. So some people get to, if you have dreams and aspirations in this country, trust me you're gonna pay for it and it's always been like that it's always been like that um as far as the, the the interest rate they're just pretty much raising the interest rate um to deter people from borrowing money um, that i agree with um it, it would I, I, in the long run it will help balance out everything you know but yeah that's that's just what it said the burden is is on the middle class yeah, but but done. But that's a double-edged sword because, like, people just imagine people with mortgage, right? Mortgages, and you're paying like two thousand dollars, mm. and because them um, increasing the interest rate, like you end up paying like two thousand five when that five hundred dollar was for like food, you know? So right, it's, but, it's like uh, a double-edged sword. So it's it's not good. It's not good. I mean, <laughs> that's why you're opting for a fixed-rate mortgage. I'm, I I understand what you're saying, you know. Um, to, to, to be honest, people who own homes and have a fixed rate, you know, if they have a fixed rate, they're in a better position than most people, you know, because like right now, the rent prices is ridiculous. And even when things balance out, it's still going to be bad because I never see rent prices really go down. Um, I think... They need to really take a look at the what what's going on. You know, it's just it's pretty much just demand and supply, you know, because the housing market right now is 
slowing down and people renting so you know you know it go with demand and supply but the government need to step in and 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 let them know they can't really raise the rent that high man it's like another article i, I read saying like rent is like typical rent is like two thousand dollars and it's coming up because you sent that one over to me dre i have that one oh it's, all right so yeah. I, I, won't, I won't even get into that so until, <laughs> yeah so you know people who own homes and have a fixed mortgage in a way better position but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, but, it's, but it's dre, pretty bad james but dre remember you know the fixed rate is 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 tricky you know because there, there are terms so just imagine that like in a in a country like america that Every every just say every year at least twenty million people um, are going to um, renew their their uh, mortgages. So like now you're paying like um, two point five percent, and then you're you're up for renewal like December and coming December, it's got just say like it's up seven percent. Like you're still out of a house because remember the fixed rate. You know it's not like it's not. I don't know how it works there, but it's not like a lot of people would say we're going to do like a, a 20 year, like locked into like a 15 year or a 20 year. Uh, most people are locked in. I know in Canada, most people are locked into like a five year because we did a five year and ours is, is um, due like in, in November. So our interest rate that we're paying now could possibly like double when we're up for renewal, you know, so it, it's tricky any way you take it. So let, let me read this one, James. As housing costs soar, median rent tops $2,000 for the first time. It is no secret that housing costs have been soaring across the United States, but now rents have risen above $2,000 a month for the first time. A new report from Redfin shows that rents are up 15% from last year, and now the median price for an available rental has risen above $2,000 for the first time ever. Daryl Fairweather, chief economist for Redfin, says that not enough homes were built in the decade after the housing bubble burst. She believes the lack of supply of homes is making it unaffordable, unaffordable for people to buy, thus driving up rent. More people having to rent is driving up the cost of rental units. Rents are going up just as fast as home prices, she told NPR. Fairweather predicts that it will only be another decade of building new homes before things start to level out. Another factor is rising interest rates pricing those wanting to buy out of the market. The outlet reports that mortgage applications are down 21% from a year ago. Yep. 15% up. $2,000 a month. And this is not in good neighborhoods, folks. Not in good neighborhoods. Let, let's just make that clear. That's just, um, yeah, survival mode neighborhood. So, so what is the average income? Right? Average income. So let us say average income <laughs> is... And I'm being generous here. Let us say it's 50000 gross. What percentage of that is taxed? I think, what, 28? <laughs> All right, 28%. That's Trump did drop it. I, I don't know if Biden put it up, but between 21 to 28. All right, so let's, let's go on the low end then, right? So we're going to say 21%, right? So that is 10500 
So right away, that drops you down to take home of 39,500. Let's go ahead and divide that by 12. $3,290. Right? How much is insurance? Health insurance. Because that hasn't come out yet. If you want good insurance, what are you looking at on average? And let's add in um, vision and dental. Right? So let's say that costs you the 290 okay how much is rent two thousand dollars okay so now you're down to a thousand how much is a car payment on average let's say for a honda accord that 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 um let's say 350 okay car insurance is how much how much you pay for car insurance one person. Bills about fifty. I don't know. Our bills. Right. All right. Let's say. Let's then. do low. We're going on the low end. So let's say one fifty. All right. Now you're down to five hundred dollars. Um. How much you pay for your light bill? Let's say another one fifty. Okay. So you're now down to, what three fifty? <laughs> you have childcare expenses. How much a week is that? <laughs> and this is why americans are living off of debt it is strongly recommended that you put aside at least six to nine months worth of your salary in case of an emergency how are you to do that when you can't even pay your bills you can't set aside something every month because you're living to survive just trying to survive How are you supposed to do that? We haven't even, we're down to 350 and we haven't included grocery, gasoline. If you're a woman and you have to go get your hair done, we haven't put all of that in. Or a man and you go to the barber, we haven't put any of that in. Miscellaneous expenses. If you have childcare, because we know daycare is how much a week already. We haven't put those figures in yet. This is just surviving. This is just to exist, not to live, just to exist. And we wonder why debt is at an all-time high. And yet they're making it hard. So yes, James, I have to agree. There's something up. It's fishy. What is the plan? And the, the thing, like moments like um, nine years ago, we opened like a, a food bank. And when we're operating the food bank and you see, like, people that come to the food bank, you see a lot of refugees. You see, you know, people that, that um, you know, come to Canada and, and, and decide they're not going back home. And they're doing, like, under-the-table type of jobs and they're not making good money. Fast forward to today, the same food bank. There are people that are making like $80,000 a year that have to line up in the food bank to get food. And, you know, thank, you know, thank God that the food bank, most of the food banks that we have here, um, is not like garbage food. You know, like some food bank yeah. that they send spoiled food and leftover food and, yeah. and all this type of stuff. 
lucky for us, like some of the companies here, because, and, and that's why some of these companies, they, they never um, lose, because some of the companies here, just say, like, say like a Grace Kennedy, and they say, okay, we're going to do a million um, boxes of ketchup to, to send to, to, to North America. And they do that, and for whatever reason, the sales, they didn't, the, the projection didn't go how they wanted it to go. Uh -huh. They have the ability now to say, okay, we're going to do like 10,000 cases in this province and 10,000 cases in another province in their food bank system. And they write it off and they get the full amount of money as if they were selling it in the supermarket, right? Uh -huh. So they are able to send those stuff to, to, to the food banks and still benefit getting, if not 100% of their money, close to 100%. So people are getting like decent food at the food bank but it's just amazing to see the people that are lining up to go to the food bank you know 10 years ago you're saying okay like i'm i i'm not doing that because that's like poor people's stuff now you're going to work you're making eighty thousand dollars a year you're in an office with air condition doing a nice accounting job or whatever and because if you're a single mom or whatever and, and your rent is so high your car payment is so high you still end up have to go to the food bank. So, it, yeah, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> You're right, James, because I passed one the other day and his Benz and Mercedes, his Mercedes <laughs> and, and BMW and, and those things I, 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 I see um, driving through the line. And I was amazed. Don't be amazed. <laughs> I was amazed. Don't be amazed. I was, I, I was because it was like the first time ever passing one. And I was saying to my friend, yo, I pass a food bank and it's Benz and BMW. I said, I say, yo, things really get bad. I, I, I see it for myself, James. Here's why I said don't be amazed, um, Dre. There are a lot of people who drive Mercedes Benz and BMW who have no business driving a Mercedes Benz or a BMW, right? Um, a lot of them are driving it just for show to try to fit in or to gain respect and they are putting their baskets where they can't reach it right but yes you do have a lot of people who are no longer the upper middle class who could comfortably afford those vehicles um yeah th that that is shrinking dre so right now i'm about to go see if i can find one for myself because i need to pull up I've never joined a line because I said, you know, something as bad as I have it, somebody else has it worse. Let those who have it worse get in line. But right now I'm about to go to a line and push everybody out of the say, uh, 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 back up. I need big ass space though. It is serious. It is serious. The average price for a gallon of unleaded gasoline has gone above $5 across the country for the first time due to the increased demand from the economy reopening following the pandemic and depleted oil supplies as a result of the war in the Ukraine. And yes, James, I'm wondering where this depletion come from. And now analysts say the prices look set to continue rising into the summer months. The average national price of a gallon of gas has now reached $5 and point, uh, what you call it, 004 cents. A year ago, it was $3 and seven cents. Gasoline is in shorter supply than it normally is since the U.S. has lost about 1 million barrels a day of refining capacity. How did they lose the refining capacity? How, how did they lose it? Explain that to me. 
they lost has the u.s has lost about one million can't even talk one million barrels a day of refining capacity how so explain that to me i don't know if people don't realize that since the pandemic 2020 there is a reason things happened in 2020 your vision is clearer right you're able to think more because we were all home and our ability to reason <laughs> increased we weren't um distracted we weren't so focused as getting up and getting to work and fighting the traffic and blah blah but we weren't going through the mundane we now had time to really sit and pay attention so stop trying to pull wool over our eyes because we're no longer blind stop giving us excuses and trying to skirt around and let's throw this at them let's use this as a deflector no we as a community as a nation we need to stand up and really ask the the, the questions and get asked for honest answers and hold them responsible how has the u.s lost a million barrels a day of refining capacity please ex explain this to me you know, at moments, I think, I think only if, if politicians and these, these um, billionaire crooks that are robbing us, they would just be honest and say, you know, like, like a gunman, just stick you up and say, look, just empty out your pocket. And at least we know that, at least we know that we're being robbed. <laughs> you know? But don't rob us and then, and then and try to tell us that it, it, it's something different. Because to me, the only thing that makes sense with this oil thing is that... Um, when when the pandemic hit, when 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 you know we closed down in, in March um twenty twenty, you know, like I was thinking that my gosh, like I wish I had like something underground where I could just dig and store gas because gas was like dirt cheap, right? Like you could go to the gas station and, and twenty, thirty dollars in your tank like full. So what I believe is happening is that you know, for business people, they have a certain price that they have to get, regardless of what. Like, no matter what you do, they have to get that price. And because they were stuck with all these barrels of oil that, that they were um, extracting, and they didn't want to be stuck with them because airline was not using oil. Um, a lot of people were staying home and not working. So they dumped the, the, the gas in, in, the, in, the, in the economy. They find a way to get rid of it. So now I, I feel what's going on now. They're trying to recoup. So, so 2020, 2020, um, 2020, paying like half, like in, in Toronto now, we are paying like, what we're paying now, we're paying like about 35% of, of that, like in 2020. It, it went up, it more than, it tripled. Put it that way, it tripled what we're paying today. So I believe that, they're just trying to recoup the money that they lost from from the like one year that gas price was at record low. And if they're just honest with us and say, you know what, we dump oil and we dump gas in the economy because the pandemic, nobody was moving, there was no flight, and we should have made a trillion dollars from the gas that um, we dumped out in, in North America, but we only made half a trillion. We need to recoup our money. Yeah. We're robbing you guys just you know, sit still and let me rob you. And this is only going to happen for six more months. 
and then the war is going to be over and we're going to go back to normal and you're going to get normal gas price just tell us you know this is not robert james this is rape you feel like somebody raping you and they come back and they rape you and they keep raping you and you have no choice but to bend over and take the rape this is what it's like and they do as they like with us because they have the power to do so they sell us any old story because they have the power to do so and we just sit down and shut up and take it from them meta is being sued by a family who blames the social media platform instagram for their daughter's eating disorder self-harm and thoughts of suicide the preteen's family says she became addicted to the popular social media net um, platform so much so that it resulted in self-harm the lawsuit which was filed in u.s district court uh, for the northern district of california late on monday cites the facebook papers which is a trove of internal meta research documents that were leaked last fall and revealed that the tech giant knew instagram was damaging body image and other mental health issues specifically in teenage girls the case was filed on behalf of alexis spence who created her first instagram account at the age of 11 notably without her parents knowledge and in violation of the platform's minimum age requirement of 13. the complaint claims instagram's artificial intelligence engine almost immediately stared spence who was in the fifth grade at the time into a repetitive chamber of content they allege glorifies anorexia and self-cutting while also systemically supporting her addiction to use the app the social media victims law center which is a seattle-based group that advocates for families of teens harmed online filed the lawsuit spence who is now 19 was once confident and happy but has since been hospitalized for depression anxiety and anorexia and fights to stay in recovery every day the suit claims her conditions are a result of the harmful content and features Instagram relentlessly promoted and provided to her in its effort to increase engagement. It is an unprecedented lawsuit of its kind to draw from the Facebook papers while also exposing the real human harm behind its findings, Spencer's attorneys say. The suit also includes um, previously unpublicized documents from the leaks which includes one in which meta identified tweens as herd animals who want to find communities where they can fit in the attorneys argue that the details in the documents demonstrate meta's efforts to recruit minor users to its platforms if you look at the extensive research that it meta performed they knew exactly what they were doing to children and they kept doing it said the founder of the social media victims law center uh who represents spence and her family i wish i could say that alexis's case is aberrational it's not the only aberration or aberration is that she survived bergman is also representing tammy rodriguez an enfield connecticut woman who also filed a lawsuit earlier this year against meta and snap the parent company of Snapchat for the company's alleged roles in her 11-year-old daughter's suicide last summer. Because I was saying, this sounds familiar, but yeah, we did talk about that, that case earlier this year. Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg published a statement on October 5, 2021, following the early release of the Facebook paper, saying, I've spent a lot of time reflecting on the kinds of experiences I want my children and others to have online. And it's very important to me 
that everything we build is safe and good for children. He also specifically mentioned to a reporting that showed teenagers suffered more from anxiety, sadness, and eating issues, and noted that more teenage girls who said they struggled with that issue also said Instagram made those difficult times better rather than worse. This is something that has been at the forefront um, with teenagers within, I would say, the last year, more prevalent. It's before magazines were to be blamed. Who remembers when they would blame Mademoiselle and Vogue? What was the... What were the names of those magazines when we were growing up? Oh my, not Write On. Write On was a hip hop magazine. What was the other one? Oh my gosh. Oh, I can't remember. Cosmopolitan. Um, yeah, before it was the magazines that were being blamed for teenagers suffering from um, depression and anxiety and anorexia. And, you know, measures were taken against them. They too went through the lawsuit phase. So now we're blaming social media. Do we really feel social media is to be held responsible? And here's why I'm asking. I am on social media. You're constantly seeing um, people with gorgeous bodies, right? Almost perfect. And we, we know that a lot of people look on and say, okay, I want to look like that. I want to look like that. But I'm not getting up and going to get anything done. I don't know. Do we hold social media responsible for that? Let's look a little deeper. Bleaching. Who do we hold responsible for bleaching when people bleach out their skin? Who are we holding responsible for that? Vibes cartel. <laughs> Dre, you said that with a straight face, right? No hesitation either. Not even a, a beat. We had to lock him up. Sorry. <laughs> Forgive me for saying this, but have you really looked at some of these people who are bleaching? They're looking like daytime duppies. I'm sorry. And who is telling them that they look good? Messing up their beautiful skin. Some of them have bleed so much. And what's weird, you look at their hands and their toes and the knuckles. And you see the true complexion still there, right? But every day, them are rub. Them are rub. Want to look fairer because they say that the lighter you are, the better opportunities and the more accepted you are. Who is fooling these people? Mess up their beautiful skin. And then the, their skin has this pinkish hue to it they can't even go in the sun he said blame that scott
I don't think we can blame people. I think we have to, to some degree. Let, let me let me be fair. To some degree. To some degree. And it's what we're being taught by our parents to some degree and those we surround ourselves with. And here's why I'm saying that. I'm going to give you an example. So I was talking to um, Marlon's cousin. She's back in Jamaica. And she's telling me that she got into a taxi. Inside the taxi, there's this beautiful, dark-skinned girl. Gorgeous. Her hair up in one with a nice poof on top. Right? Skin so clean. Looks like butter. The girl is in the taxi with her mom. On the outside of the taxi, there's another little girl whose hair texture is softer. So her hair also combed up. But because of the texture of her hair does not stay in a poof, it falls down. Right? The girl is of a lighter complexion than the girl that's in the taxi. The little girl in the taxi is somewhere between six to eight years old. Give her that. She turns to her mother, points out the little girl on the outside, and expresses she wished she looked like that little girl. That girl have pretty hair. A nice complexion. So who is telling this little 68-year-old girl that she's not beautiful? That her complexion is not beautiful? That her hair isn't beautiful? Who is telling her that? 68 years old. And the mother did not even, instead of saying, baby, you are gorgeous. The response is, yes, how true. You see the problem? You push out the pitney. Excuse my, my, my language. Right? You deliver this child. And you're going to look at your child and say, yes, it's true. So what, have you, what seed have you now planted in this child? So are we quietly telling our children you should be skinny? You should be lighter, you should be taller, you should be shorter, you should be... Are we doing this to our children and not even realize we're doing it? Not cognizant that we are planting certain seeds in them. That Probably not saying it to them directly, but probably watching TV and they hear us saying, oh my God, that's the epitome of beauty. She looks so gorgeous. And then the child goes and looks at themselves in the mirror, but... My parents have never told me I'm gorgeous. Could that be? I'm just wondering. 68-year-old, the mother did not say, baby, no, you are gorgeous. You are beautiful. Instead, the mother agrees that the child on the outside of the vehicle is better looking, has the better features. Why are we doing that? So do we blame social media? Do we blame magazines? Do we blame the shows, the beauty, um, the, the, what you call the Miss Universe, the beauty pageants? That's the right term. Do we blame beauty pageants? Who do we blame? 
Or do we accept responsibility for what we feed our children? Meaning, what are we telling them daily? Are we lifting them up? Are we making them know that they're unique, they're special, beautiful, handsome? Yeah, I agree with you. This is Chief. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Chief. Good morning. Grand Rising. So it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And we have to, we have to, we can blame ourselves at this point. At this stage in history, we have to blame ourselves because we have access to too much, too much detoxification, too many detoxification tools, right? Like de-brainwashing, de-program, reprogramming ourselves, reconditioning ourselves. We have access to historical context where we've seen the brown doll, the black doll, white doll experience. And we've seen all of these studies and all of these tests and all of these things done to show us the conditioning that is taking place in ourselves, you know, amongst our people globally. And so that means that we have to create a countermeasure, uh, something that's pro us, right? Like we create every dimension under every complexion under the sun. That's what we're capable of doing. That you take that, that rich cocoa black man and woman in Africa and they will produce an albino. They can produce the lightest complexion to the darkest complexion. The original seed. We don't give we don't give um, reverence right, to that divine gene pool that's made up of who we are. And until we acknowledge that, until we go and be proactive and create like uh, edification, right, where we edify who and what we are and the beauty of it, whether we deal with it scientifically, right, well, whether we deal with it in any other form or fashion. We have to get to that and we have to, we have to show our children, most importantly, we as adults who are more informed than those children, we have to show them. It's sad that in this age and time, when you got this so-called illusion of diversity, that we are still struggling with the colors, color complex, color systems, caste systems, right? It's, 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 it's deafening. It's something that we really have to we have to deprogram ourselves in this in this regard. Like you said, there's a lot of conditioning and there are things that we do subconsciously yeah. and consciously. You know, but it's but what it really speaks to is the cycle of self hate and <clears throat> how we honor everything that looks farther from us more than we do ourselves or more than we do each other. Right? Like you can see you can see it in some of the, the thing. <laughs> Some of, the, some of the pageants that we see going on globally. And you start to see these, these trends that go back and forth, right? Because there's a whole market and whole industry that is exploiting our hate, our self-hate. There's a whole entire industry. Yeah. You know, and so it's like this whole idea of pimping us uh, psychologically. And we're going to have to get out of that. We're going to have to really get out of that. And I appreciate your 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 expressions and your comments, your perspective about it. Thank you. Thank you, Chief, for your input. It starts with us as parents. How we parent our children is not only about discipline, it's not only about providing, but it's also fostering the right things within them, how they should feel about themselves, teaching them to love themselves. But 
how can we teach them to love themselves when we don't even love ourselves? So we have to make the change. Yeah, moments. As you as you said that, you know, like I would I would say, like I think it's more self-inflicted in our community than anything else because you know, I live in a very diverse community. Um, um, we have three kids. Um, two of my kids are, you know, lighter complexion, like my complexion. Yeah. And then one is my wife complexion. So people always joke about it all the time. They're saying like, you know, you guys have, you know, kids for yourselves. Mm-hmm. My son is, is my, my youngest, my son is uh, my complexion. My youngest daughter is uh, my wife's complexion. And then my oldest daughter, she's my complexion. And whenever, like, we go anywhere, like, I get more people, like, saying, oh, he's so cute, you know, like my son. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't go anywhere. Like, I even said to my wife, like, we, we, we have to watch this, this boy because we can't really... You know, like you have to hold on to him because everywhere you go, people are saying, oh, he's so cute, he's so cute, he's so cute. And when I, when I, what I realized, it's mostly, you know, black people, like people in, in our community, you know, Caribbean people, African people. It's mostly them that are saying that because we are amongst, you know, Jewish people, we are amongst Muslims, we are amongst other people. But most of the times it's people in our community mm-hmm. that are saying that and um, when it comes down to my daughter, no, who's, who's darker, the, my youngest daughter, she doesn't get as much as, you know, my son. Like, people will say, and, and most of the people that would say, oh, like, she's so, like, she's so cute, and, and people would, would more um, talk about her personality than anything else. Like, she's so intelligent, she's so this. And most of the people that would say, like, oh, she's so cute or whatever are, are non-black people. So mm-hmm. it's, it's self-inflicted, you know? Yeah. Our community, we're doing it to ourselves. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. I know I've had my own experiences with it. Um, people have said, oh, you're lucky you're not black like me. Huh? Huh? What kind of statement is that? Oh, you have pretty ear. Huh? What? Really? Is that what we do? We need to stop. As Chief pointed out, we come in all shades. From very light to very dark. All beautiful. All beautiful. And we need to stop making ourselves feel inferior. We need to stop it. You know, not to nitpick, but that there is one song that Shansia has. And every time I hear the song, I cringe. It is glorifying her complexion. Brown, I'm a sweet. I forgot the exact words. But I think those of you who are familiar with her songs, you know which song I'm talking about. Look, I'm a pretty, I'm a brown, and something to that effect. Yeah, man, she said something like a brown and sweet, just like a chocolate, something like so. Yeah. Nothing them not have over me. Do you know what message you're sending? The subliminal message? 
that because you don't look like me, you can't have anything over me. L let's stop and let's look at that for a minute. What's the message we're sending to little girls who are looking up? Oh my gosh, I want to look like her. Because that is the epitome of beauty. That is what I need to look like so I'm accepted. I need to have her complexion. I need to have her hair. And so because of this deep desire to look like someone else, we bleach out our skin and we put in the false hair. We hide our own. Not because we're suffering from something, um, genetic disease or whatever, no. Or going through chemo, no. We deliberately, so, there are some women who have forgotten what their own hair looks like. There are men with women who will tell you they've never seen their wife's hair. Never. So we have to be so careful of things we say. What are we putting out there in our music too? You're telling people subliminally that being brown is better. That having softer texture hair is better. That having a straight nose is better. I, I you know why, why it's dangerous too, because for me personally, my, my personal experience, like as a man, like I appreciate beauty like you know different shape different size different you know color and everything you know i've had moments where, where i've seen like women um darker skinned women and, and you just stop and you you're almost like frozen you're like oh my gosh like this woman is so beautiful mm -hmm. and you'll you'll you see a woman of a lighter complexion and you have the same reaction but never in my entire life have i ever seen a bleached out woman and say, my gosh, like, stop in my track and say, this woman is beautiful. Because it damages your skin. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you, you have this almost like polka dot because you have little dots. When you look closer, you see all the little dots and, and stuff like that. And there are some women that, that get, like, the, the expensive stuff that take away some of that. But it's obvious. If you can look at someone and say, look, that person is bleaching. It's not anything to, you know, and, and some, some people that, especially some of the women that do stuff like this, is that when you see their complexion before, they're so beautiful. And just to know that, like, not just with bleaching, but all the, the, the body enhancement stuff, like you, you, you have, you know, body that like other women would say, my gosh, I wish I had that body. And you still go and mess it up and, and, and put, put on some stuff that is so obvious that you can stay like from a mile and see it you know so like it I, I don't know like it's 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 ridiculous and and the fact that you have like 18 year old girls now doing body enhancement that's the, the new level of low that it's gone to and it's it's dangerous and they haven't even finished developing yet james but i will ask parents this and i'm going to be very blunt about it teach your children to love themselves regardless of what they look like if you weren't taught to do that start to love yourself start to look in the mirror and start loving yourself please because what we're doing is we're raising a generation 
of emotionally damaged people when we're making them feel that they are not as beautiful because they don't look like a particular group of people. We need to stop it. Stop damaging. Absolutely. Yeah, stop damaging our children. Stop inflicting self-hate on our children. Stop it. And we need we need we need our brothers to really be more more accountable in this regard, you know, because even when I'm when I have discussions with groups of women, regardless of age, the influence comes from the perception of men, right? And how men perceive the appearance of women and you know, what they what what what, what women think men like. And because men are also being bombarded with this whole media um um conditioning and and brainwashing as well right like you see something enough times even if it's ugly you see it enough times it becomes beautiful it becomes like the truth you tell a lie enough times it becomes the truth right and we lie to ourselves so much that the things we think are beautiful become true e even if it's not true it becomes true right like oh, i want that you know everybody has that so let me get that and 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 but us, us us as men, we have we have a great amount of influence and power and ability. And when it, that's why I say edify, like if we like if you you know I have daughters, I have more than one daughter, and I edify my daughters, and they're both very distinctively different. But I want them to acknowledge and recognize they don't have to be alike. They don't have to be like society. I need you to find your own unique value and beauty that nobody else can compare to. That's unique to you. If you can appreciate yourself, you will appreciate somebody else. Right. And, and so like you just said, moments about self-love, self-love is self-appreciation, self-edification, which is different from arrogance is confidence. Yes. It's our ability to, to transcend. We have to transcend these illusionary ego encapsulated ideas about who we think we you know who other people think we are because on a core level, we know who we are. We just we just hit the mute button and stop listening to our consciousness about who we truly are. Yeah. Right. Well, how, how does the how does the people who have the least amount become the most oppressed? How do you become the most uh, studied? It's because we we possess something that's so great, but we've been brainwashed that we can't even acknowledge it anymore. Right. And that's why I say men, fathers, brothers, uncles, we got to we have to we have to be accountable as well and make sure that this idea of beauty, these goddesses that we come from. Right. That divine womb that birthed us. We have to learn how to edify that. And every woman we see who possesses that same that same by a genetic language, we have to be able to say, I see God in you. And, and verbalize it. Right. Where it's not like I expect something from you when I say it. But verbalize, I can see the God in you. I need you to see that for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, and that that's something we have to be accountable for because people do listen to what we say. They do process how we think and how we perceive things. But we too gotta change our perception. Exactly. So I'll land there. Thank you so much, Chief. And it starts with fathers and their daughters. Fathers and their daughters it starts right there there are two different families on um tiktok that i follow one it's a black girl she is married to a white guy um she's in the army 
I think they live in North Carolina or South Carolina, one of those two states. They're, it's a blended family. She has, had, she has children from a previous relationship. He has children from a previous relationship. Um, one of her daughters from a previous relationship is mixed. She also has another daughter that is not mixed. And the audacity of her followers to type in the comments singling out the mixed one saying oh she's pretty so you know what the mother did slammed right back and the comments kept going um you know the mother slammed back both my daughters are beautiful thank you you're not going to single out one over the other then there's this other couple um the guy's black he's a former athlete and the girl she's latino mix two daughters the first daughter is from the mother's previous relationship clearly with a black man right the other daughter looks more like the husband everybody drooling over the first daughter of course she claps back too you're not going to single out one over the other they're both beautiful you know who, when you look in the comments, who is doing the singling out? Other black women. And I rest my case right there. We're going to take a quick music break. When we return, we have sports news. Here is some more soca for you as we do it. Soca Styley on Move It Monday.
To all our listeners, logged on to QMZRadio.com, JanoRadio.com, and everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me, and you're listening to Coffee and Toe World News on the Go every Monday through Friday, starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern, where I read the news and we share our views. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Me Media Moments, on Instagram at Moments with Me Media, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Moments with Me Media. Like, share, comment and click on that notification bell. And now it is time for sports news. U.S. judge dismisses Cristiano Ronaldo rape lawsuit in Vegas. A Nevada woman has lost her bid in a U.S. court to face international soccer star Cristiano Ronaldo to pay millions of dollars more than the 375000 in hush money she received after claiming he raped her in Las Vegas in 2009. U.S. District Judge Jennifer Dorsey in Las Vegas kicked the case out of court on Friday to punish the woman's attorney, Leslie Mark Stovall, for bad faith conduct and use of purloined confidential documents that the judge said tainted the case beyond redemption. Dorsey said in her 42-page order that dismissing a case outright with no option to file it again is a severe sanction but said Ronaldo had been harmed by Stovall's conduct. I find that the procurement and continued use of these documents was bad faith and simply disqualifying Stovall will not cure the prejudice to Ronaldo because the misappropriated documents and their confidential contents have been woven into the very fabric of plaintiff Catherine Mayorga's claims, the ruling said. Harsh sanctions are merited. Stovall did not immediately respond Saturday to telephone and email messages. Uh, text messages to the associate Larissa were not answered either. They could appeal the decision on the 9th to the 9th U.S. District, uh, Circuit Court of Appeals in San Francisco. Ronaldo's attorney in Las Vegas, uh, Peter Christensen, was traveling and was not immediately re- reachable for comment. The Associated Press generally does not name people who say they are victims of sexual assault, but Mayorga gave consent through Stovall, and that was the reason why her name was made public. If you are planning to um, pursue a lawsuit, why accept hush money? I'm just trying to understand the rationale behind that. Why would you accept hush money where you are a victim of a sexual assault or a sexual abuse case if you know you are going to pursue legal action. I don't understand the reasoning behind it. If I accept hush money, it's, isn't that what it is? Be quiet. I'm going to be quiet. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to say anything. We're just going to let it slide. 
you know what's surprising with, with, with these um, stuff keep happening over and over again is that you think that people would have learned from the, the Kobe incident? Um, that because like if 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 I'm a manager for like a, a basketball player, a soccer player, I'd have to say to them, look, let's let's get a lawyer to draft up some some document, a one page, simple one page document, and any one night stand or whatever you're going to have, just have the woman sign this. That is consensual, something simple, because it's it just ridiculous. Because rape is a serious thing, it and is. everybody. Everybody knows, like it's no secret that women, there are women that hang around the NBA. There are women that hang around like um, celebrities and stuff trying to get in, like boring condoms to get pregnant and doing all these type of stuff. And so I'm surprised that these guys are not protecting themselves, you know, because, you know, if, if they do something simple like that, then and, and, and then sometimes women that, that do stuff like that, it makes it difficult for like the average, you know, everyday person that, that end up getting assaulted or raped to come out when, when you have um, people that are putting themselves in position to, to get a big payday. And then those are the stories that dominate the media. You know, so like these guys should protect themselves, man, because, you know, it's not going to go away. The sports is always here, like the, 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 the rappers, the singers. They travel, they go on tour, they have these girls screaming in front of stage, like running to their hotel rooms. And th this is not going to be the last person. It's going to happen for decades to come. People are going to hook up on, on tour, hook up when they go play basketball in different cities. So they need to protect themselves. So hence the saying, um, James, we are <laughs> a man's weakness, right? He needs to exercise yeah, just... self-control. Well, if you can't exercise self-control, just get a document, you know? Like, nobody's stopping you from having your, your fun, but just get a document to protect yourself, right? I think, especially if they're out there on the road, they need to just exercise self-control, and those who are around them need to see to it that there is no interaction because you don't know who to trust, and you don't know who is going to bring you down. It's Samson and Delilah. You really don't know. And if you know that you are a target or you have the potential to be a target, even the more reason you should have your antenna up. And I hope, even though this happened back in 2009, I would sincerely hope that others, other athletes will learn, will learn and don't think it can't happen to them. As hard as it is, as it is you have beautiful women throwing themselves at you, but you have to exercise some amount of restraint. Otherwise, that is going to be your downfall. That will be your downfall. Yeah, it's, it's easier said than done, though, because, you know, not all of these athletes, they're not like, like, like say, like a Steph Curry, like who grew, grew up like privilege. Um, a lot of these athletes, basketball players, come from like nothing, Going to going to college, going to university, trying to play basketball to make it, um, not having women take a second look at them, and they are put in this position now. Like from just imagine, like you are going to you're you're going to college, you're seen as like oh this guy is ugly. Because remember, a lot of these basketball players are not like necessarily good looking. A lot of them are too they're they're giants. So a lot of women um, are afraid of these guys, but. 
once you, you 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 put little money in their pocket, like all of a sudden Shaquille O'Neal just look like a prince, right? <laughs> for yeah, example. Yeah, that, that's how it is. For and and you, you have women flacking them now. That's that's for, it's for real though. You have women flacking them, and not every it's like yeah, you can look at Kobe and say oh Kobe is good looking or whatever, but look at you know look at Shaq, look at look at all these because a lot of these guys are like six, six nine six, and you know like women normally when you hear women talk about they're perfect guys, like you know, tall, dark, and handsome, six one, not not like seven feet, you know, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you put a little money in their pocket and they oh look good gosh. now. So, so it's hard for them to to go like 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 say like say like you know you're playing on the Golden State now and you go to Boston to beat Boston and and then all these girls are looking at you now. What you're saying? like, oh my what God. are you gonna say? You know? Go to Golden State to beat Boston, James? Come on, <laughs> why are you gonna say that? Because um. It's so funny you said thank you for the introduction to the next story. <laughs> but I see what you're saying. I, I understand what you're saying. Every good series transforms at some point from a mystery. The team's exploring lineups, feeling out schemes into something further. After that threshold, both teams know the fundamentals, who they want to play and when and how they want to attack an offense, their defensive principles against those attacks. The series becomes about execution, toughness, Poise and a little luck. These strange, riveting NBA finals aren't quite there, but they're approaching the strategic endgame. Rotations have been whittled, schemes tweaked and tweaked again. One team has made a startling lineup change. The aggregate score is 422 to 421 Warriors. Both teams have 64 threes on solid to great shooting the golden state warriors have one more offensive rebound than the boston celtics and one fewer turnover the celtics are plus seven in free throws the book and games one and four were similar road teams roaring to wins behind rampaging fourth quarter runs the middle games were relative blowouts the league's number one and two defenses have won the day. Both teams are scoring about 110.5 points per 100 possessions, equivalent to the 20th ranked offense in the regular season. As expected, Boston feels steadier with enough reliable support to withstand Jason Tatum's miserable two-point shooting. He's 14 of 51 on twos and struggled again in game four to strike the balance between decisiveness as both passer and scorer and flailing into traffic, Golden State's offense outside the Steph Curry maelstrom feels precarious. Though Andrew Wiggins has done his job and the Warriors found ways to spring Clay Thompson in Boston. So what are we seeing for Game 5? How we feel about Game 5, Lisa? <laughs> I'm on edge. You know, Clay Thompson says, I just want to freaking win. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be a blowout. Golden State is going to blow them out tonight. Wow. That's, James, that's yeah. That's what James I think. Like, yeah, no, I think. Feet. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Yeah. No, I think I think Jordan Poole is going to is going to step up tonight, and then you're going to get a, a game six clay that's going to come out mm -hmm. because they're going to try and trap Steph all night, and I feel like. That's going to open up for like pool and um, and I feel Wiggins is going to have a big game, a big game tonight because he is he's, he's he's proven to be like the second best player so far on the Golden State, and I think he he's going to have a breakout game tonight. Yeah, but Golden State, Golden State all the way, man. Because for me, 
this is the most passionate I've been about any finals um, since I've been a fan of the NBA. Mm -hmm. And one, one of the things why I'm, I'm so passionate about it too, because I'm tired of like, you know, the, the, the sports media with the body shaming and stuff like that. Oh, Steph Curry is too small. He's too this, he's too that. And everything that he's, he's done, like they try to belittle what he does. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you, if you watch the, the coverage during like the day, like on all these sports channels, like Skip Bayless and all these guys, they try to say like, oh, like, because the reality is that he's the first, Steph Curry is the first normal size superstar that, that, that you put in that. What's that, his that height? What's his height? He's, um, um, six, six, two, six, one, six, two, 180, he's 85 to 190. So he's shorter than Dwayne Wade? Um, they're about the same size, but, because but when, but when, when you're talking about like the goat conversation, the greatest of okay. all time, uh -huh. everybody in that conversation six is, is, is six. six. Yeah. Everyone in that conversation is like, you know, that, that the big guys win that conversation because like a Shaq, a Shaq can just get the ball. He's not skillful. He just get the ball and he just push you out of the way and just jump to the, the basket. So they don't give shorter guys, um, you know, any advantage in, 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 in being like the greatest of all time or whatever. Mm -hmm. There are a few. They're they're like um Dwayne Wade, there's um what's his name from from the seventy sixers. Wade is six four by the way. Yeah, no, so yeah, so Steph is the shortest to to, to, to do mm. it at this level. He's the shortest to do it at this level. And then he came in he came in to different from most of the players, you know, a privileged you know, light skinned child that 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 his father was in the nba like most of the the dominant players in the nba mm -hmm. have not have not come from like privilege in terms of their their fathers playing the nba before so steph and clay thompson are like two of the few players that their dad played in the nba so they are a bit more privileged okay so there's a lot of if you watch the coverage there's a lot of body shaming there's a lot of they're not tough enough they don't you know so okay. yeah well let's see tonight Game five. I must say I am a little nervous, but I think we got this. I'm nervous too, Lisa. I am so <laughs> nervous. And even though my, my money is on the Warriors, I'm not going to lie. I'll be happy if the Celtics win. I will be happy for them. I'm not going to. Can I get my money in five? James, 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 not yet. Too soon. Too soon, James. Too soon. Have several yeah, seats, James. like Lisa said. Yeah, have several, several seats. <laughs> So my 17-year-old is taller than Dwayne Wade because he's six five. Wow. Okay. Yeah. In terms of basketball, yeah, that's yeah. Okay. Interesting. All right. So Floyd made Mayweather gets emotional while being inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame on Sunday afternoon. Mayweather was amongst a three-class group of stars inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. Before he began his acceptance speech, Mayweather could not hold back the tears. I don't really know what to say. He said, I told myself I wouldn't cry, but this is something beautiful. This is one of the best days of my life. Mayweather currently has a perfect record of 50 to 0 with 27 knockouts. His bank account is not looking too bad either. It has been reported that Mayweather's earnings are more than $800 million, making him the wealthiest boxer ever. The lightweight champ credited his father, trainer Floyd Mayweather Sr. as being responsible for his success. He also acknowledged his father for introducing him 
to the sport. I love my dad because without him, this would not be possible, Mayweather said. He's the best trainer ever. There will never be another trainer that's better than my dad. While mentioning his dad, Mayweather says he was grateful for the wise advice his father gave him early in his career. Don't take unnecessary punishment. I said, you know what? I'm going to take less punishment. The younger Mayweather said, I want to retire on my own terms. I want to make smart investments so I'm able to live a comfortable life once my career is over. Roy Jones Jr., Bernard Hopkins, Shane Mosley, Andre Ward, and others were also a part of the induction ceremony. Wow, I never realized his record was so stellar. 50-0 with 27 knockouts. You know what? Your dad trained you well and you did what you had to do. Qatar 2022 Australia Peru face off in World Cup qualifier. That happens today, 1800 GMT time. That's what, six o'clock um, time. What time is that? We're five hours behind. That puts us at one o'clock this afternoon. So Doha, Qatar, Australia, and Peru are set to face off in Qatar on Monday evening. In a game, Peru's captain Pedro Galiz has termed the match of our lives, with the winners assured a place in the World Cup 2022. Australia nicknamed the Socceroos came into the playoff finale on the heels of a nail-biting 2-1 win against the United Arab Emirates last week, which earned them a spot in the decider on Monday. Meanwhile, Peru finished fifth in the South American Football Confederation World Cup group, giving them one final shot at qualification for the World Cup that takes place in Qatar from November 21 this year. Last week, Peru beat New Zealand in a warm-up game in Barcelona, raising the team's hopes of emulating that result on Monday. A public holiday has been announced by the Peruvian government on Monday, anticipating that much of the country will be keenly following the game that kicks off at 1 p.m. Peru time. So I was right. Good. Five hours behind. My calculation wasn't too far off. Okay, so let's see who is going to come out on top. Um, I'm going to go for Peru just because, <laughs> number one, the song. <laughs> no, no, no. On a serious note, though, I'm going to go for Peru because, you know, from the Western world, this side of the world, yeah. I'm not doubting the guys from down under. Not at all. The Socceroos. Let's see how that game goes. Bids for Indian cricket media rights touch $6 billion. Amazon pulls out. The bidding war for media rights, the Indian Premier League IPL, is ongoing with Disney, Sony, and India's reliance in contention for what could fetch the Indian cricket board up to $6 billion. Wow. The bidding began at 5.30 GMT time on Sunday for the broadcast rights, digital rights, a bespoke package that includes rights for high-value matches as well as rights to broadcast the world's richest T20 league in foreign territories. We're very happy that things are going the way they were planned, Board of Control for Cricket in India Treasurer Arun Singh told Reuters. The participants are very enthusiastic. The bidding is still on. And we're hoping for a good number tomorrow. Uh, this is the first time we went for an e-bidding to ensure a fair and transparent process. The IPL counting top Indian industrialists and Bollywood stars such as Shah Rukh Khan among its franchise owners is often seen as a surefire ticket to high TV ratings and growth in India's booming online streaming space. 
But while the digital and television rights for 2023 to 2027 are expected to more than double, the 163.48 billion rupees or 2.9 billion U.S. dollars that Star India, now owned by Walt Disney Company, paid in 2017, observers say caution may be setting in. I did not know Walt Disney owned um, Star India. Wow. Wow. Imagine that. So they know the value of cricket. How is cricket in the Caribbean, the West Indies cricket team? How are we doing? You know, why, why are we having money thrown around us? You know, what's up with us? Hmm. Okay. Nobody here likes cricket. Cricket, lovely cricket. <laughs> We're just going to go straight into Caribbean corner. Boats with U.S. bound. Thank you, Dre, for sending this one over as well. Appreciate it. Uh, boats with U.S. bound Haitian migrants disappeared at sea. They were told to dress totally in black and to leave cell phones and all identifying documents, including passports, behind. Why does this one sound like the church case back in Jamaica with that pastor, Dre? You know, kind of similar here. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> The group of about two dozen Haitians, maybe more, departed on a small motorboat from the coast of the Dominican Republic headed to Puerto Rico, about 80 miles away across the treacherous Mona Passage. That was in early March, and that's the last anyone heard of them. Their disappearance remains a mystery and a source of anguish for relatives who refused to accept that a boat full of people could just vanish. The agencies that routinely patrol the sea, the U.S. Coast Guard in Puerto Rico, U.S. Customs and Border Protection in Puerto Rico and U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement told the Herald they had no records on a missing migrant boat fitting the description provided by reporters or neither did they have any information about a capsizing in early March. The Dominican Navy also said it had no record of a boat or passengers matching the descriptions. People are gone missing and no one is paying attention, said Moseline Bouvet who is 48, a nurse from Philadelphia, whose 20-year-old foster daughter, Fedona Louis-Jouin, is among the missing. They're young girls. They're young boys, people in their 20s. They're moms with babies. The missing people are among the thousands of Haitians who have been desperately taking to the sea in the past few months, fleeing the desperation in their homeland in the largest exodus of Haitians since 2024. Though most leave from the northwestern Haitian coast bound for the Florida Keys, many others journey through the neighboring Dominican Republic where they pay smugglers to get them on boats to Puerto Rico. Since October alone, the U.S. Coast Guard has intercepted more than 5,300 Haitians at sea. No one knows how many have tried to make the trip and never made it. The only certainty, U.S. authorities say, is that the voyages are frequently deadly. Bouvet says she last spoke to her daughter on February 27th. Louis Jouin gave no indication of her plans to take a dangerous sea voyage to the United States. Bouvet says she found out about the trip after friends of her daughter's called and said they had not heard from her. After asking questions, Bouvet said she learned that her daughter, who she cared for from infancy, and a friend had boarded a boat bound for Puerto Rico. After digging around, Bouvet found out a little more. Her daughter had taken one of the small makeshift open boats known as Yolas that smugglers used to take migrants from the Dominican Republic to Puerto Rico through the Mona Passage. 
Bouvet has spent months contacting what is now a three-page long list of agencies and immigration detention facilities around the United States trying to find out if any of them has her daughter in custody. Other relatives of the missing, desperate for information, have come together in a group on WhatsApp social media platform where they have shared photos and compiled a list of the passengers. Wow. Though their pain... They, through their pain, they have also provided portraits of some of the missing. This is truly sad. Um, family members interviewed by the Miami Herald say they have checked with authorities in Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic for information about the missing voters. So far, they have come up empty. One relative told the Herald that the migrants were told to wear all black, as was mentioned earlier. Dre, thank you for sending this over. Um, no problem. I'm wondering how many times this has happened. Um, people have gone missing. Now, I'm not going to rule out capsizing, especially the Mona through the Mona Passage, which is very dangerous from what I've been told, you know, which I've heard that before. But I'm also going to highlight the fact that the Dominican, the Dominicans are not very favorable of the Haitians, let's say that, and them making the trek from through the Dominican Republic to you know make the boat ride across. Uh, did they even make it to the boats? That's the next question. Did they all make it to the boats? So um telling people to leave behind their cell phones and passports, ID, who told them to do this? The, the smugglers, I would take it. Where are these smugglers? Can they get a hold of the smugglers? Because they're the ones who have the answers. The only ones who will have the answers at this point. If you're going to tell people to dress in all black, of course, that you're not detected. You are more... Um, that, that's a camouflage color, right? Especially at night. I think they need to find out who the smugglers are and then they'll be able to determine exactly or get a better understanding of what happened. Is it going to be easy? No. Definitely not by any means. We know that there are interceptions that we've heard about. Let me say that. Since October alone, the U.S. Coast Guard has intercepted more than 5,300 Haitians at sea. So we know we've heard. I don't. I can't say, and I'm not going to say also that we haven't you know I, I, i'm just letting you know that we have heard about interceptions i don't know if we have heard all, about all of them i don't know but um i can understand how family members would feel the nervousness and the anxiety that they're going through right now wondering where their family members are and um again the need for discussion to happen we need a, a turn in the economic tide that's going on in these countries. People don't just risk their lives like that. Besides economic, the crime, as James mentioned last week, a lot of people leave countries not just for economic reasons, but because of the criminal activity. They're being preyed upon. When are the leaders going to stand up and do something to fix the issues in their countries? 
try to fix the issue in your country. Please try, folks. Our next story comes to us out of Bermuda. Tourism chief quits after just over a year on the job. The head of Bermuda's Tourism Authority, Charles, Charles Jeffers II, has left his post after just over a year in charge, but his departure remains shrouded in mystery. A BTA spokeswoman said Tracy Berkeley, the body's chief administration officer, has been appointed interim CEO and plans are in motion for a permanent replacement. She is the fifth person to hold the post in the past six years. A press release announcing the changes on Friday did not state why Jeffers, a Bermudian, who came home from the United States after serving as CEO of Visit Baltimore, left the BTA. Hmm. This is the how, what number person in the role? Fifth person in six years. I think there's something wrong going on with the body. They need to fix that, figure out what's going on. The young people of Grenada and even the not so young who attended Friday's new National Party Youth Rally were thoroughly entertained by Jamaican artists, Grenadian artists, as well as a spirited speech from Jamaica's youngest member of parliament. The headline act for the night was Dance Hall Artist Popcorn, whose performance was highly anticipated and for those who really wanted to see him, did not disappoint. Guest speaker from Jamaica's Labour Party, Rhoda Moy Crawford, MP for Manchester Central, told the gathering that she sees a clean sweep for the NNP in the June 23 election. She said that as the youngest member of parliament in Jamaica, she placed close attention to the political happenings in the region and international stage and has been studying the political happenings in Grenada. Is it right that um, she get involved in politics in another country? I don't know. I can understand the entertainment aspect of it, but you're leaving your party in Jamaica where we have work to do, um, Rhoda, and you're going to Grenada predicting a clean sweep on I don't know I don't know I don't know if Jamaican politicians should get involved in the campaigning process of other political parties in other countries I don't know is it that the people of Grenada have so much respect so much more respect for foreign bodies coming there to um offer a little push i don't know i'm just saying i'll leave that one right there jlp politician dies in a car crash those those words those are the words tweeted by minister of health and wellness christopher tufton as he shared a photo of himself and omar francis the jamaica labor party's counselor caretaker for the Point Hill Division in his St. Catherine West Central constituency, who died in a motor vehicle crash. Francis reportedly died in a motor vehicle crash in Kitson Town in the parish. The circumstances surrounding the crash are not immediately clear at this time. The young man, who was a special assistant to Tufton for several years, attended Bog Walk High School, now Enid Bennett High School, where he served as the head boy. He also attended the University of the West Indies. Francis was also former vice president of G2K. 
Sadness, R.I.P. Omar, a short life, but you lived true to your convictions. We will continue the journey and always remember the role you played, said Tufton in, a, in his tweet. So unfortunate. Not sure what happened. We need young people, young blood. You know, we don't need to be losing them. Hospitals cannot respond to unlimited admission needs, says Christopher Tufton. In using the Sanans Bay Hospital in St. John as an example of rising admission of patients with various medical challenges, Health and Wellness Minister Dr. Christopher Tunton, Tufton sorry, has declared that it is impossible for hospitals to respond to an unlimited number of admission needs. Given that reality, Tufton is urging residents of the parish to take greater care of their health stay safe on the nation's roads and help reduce the number of admissions at the island's hospitals, especially at the St. Anne's Bay facility. The truth is we cannot manage to respond as a hospital in this case of St. Anne's Bay, um, which is the only facility there to provide certain services. Uh, there are more hospitals. In, how many hospitals do we have in St. Anne's? Isn't there also the Alexandra Hospital? South of in the parish, head for, that's more inland. Okay. We cannot res keep responding to unlimited number of cases, of accident cases. Yeah. Um, so the urge is that they're asking people to be safe on the highways. i tell you something. Driving in Jamaica, I feel safer going up the hills than on the highways, especially along the north coast. I'm not going to lie. I'll be, I'm more inclined to drive the speed limit on the highway. Going up the hills... I have no problem tearing that up, but um, yeah, because I see how people drive on the highways. Oh yeah, they're overtaking you wherever they can. They don't care. A vehicle is coming and they're overtaking you just from the opposite direction. They're overtaking you like it's, and you have no choice but to go over in the soft shoulder. I have seen people go over in the soft shoulder to overtake people. And I'm like, okay, who, who wrote these road rules? They just do as they please. No regard for the other users on the roadways. I'm speaking because I've seen it. We need to do better, folks. We need to do better. And what amazes me is that the said people will come to the U.S. or go to Canada or go to England or go to any other country and they conform to the road rules immediately. So why is it we can't do it in our own in our own home country. What's the reason? Why can't we abide by the rules in our country? But we can do it when we go elsewhere. Huh? Explain that to me. Makes no sense. And those are our stories out of the Caribbean corner. And um, believe it or not, news. Because my server's acting up. So less music today. So server acting up, right? I apologize for that. Not my fault, folks. And believe it or not, stories, former Little Caesars employee accused of shooting manager who refused to rehire her. Authorities have arrested a woman who say, well, you know something, authorities have arrested a woman, they say, shot her former Little Caesars manager after he refused to rehire her. The shooting happened Tuesday in Ohio in the parking lot of the pizza franchise. Court records claim 27-year-old Angel Kidd 
arrived at the restaurant to ask for her job back after she had been fired. Anybody here ever asked for their job back? Uh, no, no. I mean, once I'm gone, I'm gone. That's it. Why am I going to beg for my job back? In a sworn statement, authorities say police said she began fighting with the store manager in the parking lot after he refused to rehire her. Number one, store manager, why are you going out in the parking lot? That's a conversation you have in the office. Don't take it into the parking lot. During the struggle, kid pulled a gun and shot the store manager in the left leg. The manager's identity was not released, but he was taken to a hospital with serious injuries. Kid fled after shooting him, but was later apprehended and booked on a charge of felonious assault. She has been ordered to be held on a $500,000 bond. Good for you. If you are fired, asked to leave a person's place of employment, who are you going back there for? Leave. Go find something else. There is a reason you were asked to leave your job. There's a reason. Whether you were laid off or you were fired because you didn't follow policy, whatever, leave. If you know that you want your job so bad, well, conform to the rules and the policies. I don't get it. Everybody, do they still use the term going postal? Is that term still used or is it only used in certain situations? It's still being used. It's very relevant. I tell you something, Sinead. I worry for people like you who are in HR, for people in management, because you just don't know which way the pendulum is going to swing. People are going through a lot. People are struggling to pay their bills and then being told they have to be fired. You don't know what they'll come back and do. You pray they don't return. You pray they just go peacefully. Wow. You get into a fight. And then you think, you know what? Former Columbus bakery owner accused of using dead baby's identity, obtaining $1.5 million in PPP funds. A Columbus, Ohio woman was arrested Thursday on federal charges in Utah for stealing the identity of a baby who died in 1979. Avil Dine, 49, was charged with social security number fraud, passport fraud, aggravated identity theft, and fraud. She began using the name Brie in 2003. However, the real Brie is buried in a Columbus cemetery. Misseldine used the deceased infant's identity to obtain a student pilot's license, a job as a flight attendant, get a passport, and gain admission into the Ohio State University. In addition, he applied for an Ohio ID, driver's license, and social security card. ABC6 reports that an investigation was opened in 2021 when Misseldine tried to renew the license. <laughs> not he sorry she typo here she fraudulently received 1.5 million dollars in payroll protection program funds in 2020 by using her fake 
and real identities. Throughout the years, she used both the fraudulent name and her real name. She used the PPP money to buy a home in Utah, valued at $647,000. Another home in Michigan, valued at $327,000. She obtained Utah's driver's licenses under both of her names after moving there in 2021. Before relocating to Utah, Miss Aldine ran a successful bakery in Columbus. The Coco Tea Salon and Bakery was once featured on a Food Network show. The U.S. Attorney's Office said that if convicted, she could face up to 30 years in prison. <laughs> She's using a dead... But it took them, I wonder how long she was using the dead baby's name for. Hmm. That's interesting. The baby died in 1979. Wow. I wonder if that baby's related to her in any way. Ah, oh, that's family awesome. member or something. Just, just odd thought that went in my head. But so this person's living not just one identity because they're using both their own ID and identity and the second one from this this um, deceased child. Yep. In in the same communities. That's what you call living a double life, right? Oh my gosh, you're really like. Making the cake and then buying it to her. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Baking it and eating it too. Yep, that's what they're doing. Um, I tell you something. A couple years ago, um, I don't know if any of you get these statements from the IRS, but I've got a statement. Well, not a couple. Years ago. And... I noticed that taxes were being paid. Is it taxes? Something. But on the report, it would, was telling me, in other words, I was working. And I was a child. Oh, yeah. So people, check your children's um, social security numbers. Get reports done. Get IRS, IRS reports. Yeah. It was being done for a couple of years on my social Thank God my parents um, got a wind of that and took care of whatever they whatever they did. I don't know, because I was a child. But yeah, when it happened, yep, 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 yep. People are busy out there using dead people's socials, using alive people's socials, using children's socials. So do an audit on your social security number as often as you can, please, folks protect yourselves however you can right um so in entertainment news <laughs> and i'll make this one real quick because time is upon us already rhoa kim zoziat bierman finally responds to nini leaks claims of her being a racist that's ridiculous and she knows it on the recent episode of the nightcap with carlos king Bearman speaks out for the first time about the suit. The reality star debunks Leaks' claim of her making racist remarks during filming. Nini knows what she's saying is not true in regard to me. It's ridiculous, and she knows it. Bearman's added, I'll deal with her when she's done with them. You can't say things that are not true and try to defame somebody. Bearman and Leaks have had a long history of not seeing eye to eye. 
However, Leeks made the claims of Bearman being racist after she said, Leeks lives in a roach nest. In April, Leeks filed a formal complaint against Bravo, Andy Cohen, NC, NBC Universal, and RHOA production companies. The document says NBC, Bravo, and True Foster, a corporate and workplace culture in which racially insensitive and inappropriate behavior is tolerated, if not encouraged. Can I ask a question? If a black person says to another black person that you live in a roach nest, is that racially offensive? No. But if a white person says it to a black person, it's racially offensive? No. Nini, have several seats. Um, yeah, have several seats. A whole lot of seats. Melania Trump ordered Donald Trump to allegedly cut ties with snake daughter Ivanka before January 6th insurrection hearing. Reportedly, Melania is behind, is it Melania or Melania? Whatever. Is behind the fallout between her husband Donald Trump and his daughter Ivanka. Oh my gosh, can he fall out with his daughter? Never thought that was exactly the man looked like him in love with him daughter. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> I believe if he had the opportunity, he would be with his daughter. I, you know what? I've watched uh, since he before him become president from The Apprentice and stuff. I've watched this man, and I am so. Un I have a daughter, so I'm, I'm comfortable with the relationship. I do apologize. There was a he did something with his daughter, and he he's trying to like curry favor with her. It it, it, it just something just seems strange. I don't know. I don't know if it's me, but something yeah. just seems strange. It's uncomfortable, off. Dre. It's uncomfortable. Yes, very yeah. So many speculated that there was some tension between Ivanka and Melania, including a source who exclusively told Radar even before the hearing, Ivanka had been iced by Melania despite living almost around the corner from each other in Florida. It was the first primetime hearing of lawmakers that really set the tone of the severed relationship. Lawmakers are investigating the January 6th riot at the Capitol. And during the hearing, it was Ivanka who said she accepted that former Attorney General Bill Barr had found no evidence of fraud that could overturn the 2020 election, despite her father repeatedly saying there was. Her acceptance grew an almost immediate stinging rebuke from Trump. Ivanka Trump was not involved in looking at or studying election results, he wrote on social media. She had long since checked out and was, in my opinion, only trying to be respectful to Bill Barr and his position as Attorney General. And in true Trump fashion, he sucked. Oh, well. You know something? Y'all work your problems out. Um, yeah. Uh, Melania, he's in love with his daughter, in case you didn't know. In case you didn't know, let me just remind you. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. It is that time. We are at the end of the show. I can't believe three hours went by. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to Jano Radio. Jano Radio. We are we are we are online 24/7. 
we, 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 we hope you enjoyed the show. Bye-bye. And let me just leave you with this. Sometimes you will never know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. The words of Dr. Seuss. Thank you to all our listeners who logged on to QMZRadio.com and JohnNoRadio.com. And everyone here with me on Clubhouse where the conversation happens. I'm Moments with me and you're listening to Coffee and Toe. World News on the go every Monday through Friday starting at 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern where I read the news and we share our views. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at MeMediaMoments on Instagram Moments with me Media, and subscribe to our YouTube channel Moments with me Media. Like, share, comment, and turn on that notification bell. Bell? <laughs> I'm saying bill. Got bills to pay. Yeah. Always great conversation, folks. Shared views, varying opinions, and interesting perspectives. Enjoy the rest of your day. Whatever you do, wherever you go, I do ask that you please be safe. And coming up later on on John O Radio, 10 p.m. tonight, Days After Dark. See you then.